Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the past uh, few weeks we've gone through the coldest stretch of winter. Temperatures have routinely dived below minus 30, and the wind chill values have hit the minus 40s. Now, I certainly have enjoyed the, cre- the increased sunshine and also the longer days now that we're in February. However, when, it's, when it gets this cold out, I often think to myself, you know, are, the, are the plants really going to survive this? Is anything really going to grow again? Will the grass and the flowers really sprout and bloom again in the spring? Everything is frozen. Yet thankfully, by God's power every year, they do. The sun climbs higher in the sky. The snow changes to rain. The air and the ground warm up and the plants, they begin to grow again. You get this sort of transformation happening at times in the desert as well. Lands devoid of life suddenly receive a huge downpour and then... Uh, Life sprouts up, flourishes. Now I say this because this is how Scripture sometimes describes the work of the Holy Spirit. Take only Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4. Where the Lord says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. These sorts of texts in Scripture is one reason why the Nicene Creed describes the Holy Spirit as the Lord and giver of life. The Lord and giver of life. The Holy Spirit brings life. Life to this world, but also to us who believe. And this is why the person and the work of the Holy Spirit is good news for us. The Holy Spirit brings life to people who are dead in their trespasses and sins. The Holy Spirit brings healing to a hurting world and hurting people. The good news of the Holy Spirit is a reason to rejoice. And so I've summarized the sermon this afternoon as follows. The good news of the Holy Spirit. We'll look at, first of all, the person of the Holy Spirit And second of all, the saving work of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we begin this first point about the person of the Holy Spirit, I want to begin with a basic statement. might seem obvious, but it's also important. There is a wrong way to study the Bible, and there is a right way to study the Bible. The wrong way is to believe we must limit what the Bible can say based on our own human reasoning. For example, if someone already believes before they come to the Bible that miracles are impossible, he or she will try to explain away the miracles in the Bible. That's the wrong way to study Scripture. The right way is to listen closely to what the Bible says and to submit our minds to that. We should ask, what is God saying here, and, and what is he saying here, and, and, and everywhere, and, 
then take all those things together and accept what God says. And this is the approach we must take as we study also the doctrine of the Trinity and as we study the person of the Holy Spirit as revealed in the Bible. As we listen carefully to what God says in all of Scripture, the doctrine of the Trinity naturally rises out of the Bible. In fact, this is the approach of the Athanasian Creed. The Athanasian Creed is our longest creed. It teaches the doctrine of the Trinity. And regarding the Trinity, you can hear this approach in the Athanasian Creed when it states, Just as we are compelled by Christian truth to acknowledge each person, that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, separately to be both God and Lord, so are we forbidden by the Catholic religion to speak of three gods, our Lord. Oh, uh, Three gods or lords. See, this is how we came to the truth of the Trinity, including the confession that the Holy Spirit is true God. We are compelled by Scripture. We are compelled by Christian truth to acknowledge the Holy Spirit to be true God. And in the first point, we're going to apply this method to the person of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. I don't want to overwhelm you with scripture passages, but I will cite a fair amount. What we hope to see is that scripture does indeed give rise to our confession in Lord's Day 20. The Holy Spirit is, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. So when we study what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, one of the first things that stands out is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is not a force like gravity or some type of energy. The Spirit is a person. This teaching arises out of Scripture. For considers these things the Bible says. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. You don't grieve an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit testifies about certain truths. We read that in Hebrews 10. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. Think of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. The Holy Spirit can forbid someone from doing certain things. In fact, in Acts 16, the Spirit forbade the Apostle Paul from preaching in Asia. The Holy Spirit also has a will and makes decisions. Consider 1 Corinthians 12. There it says, Spiritual gifts in the church are all empowered by one and the same Spirit who distributes to each person individually as he wills or as the Holy Spirit determines. So as we see all all of these things in Scripture arise out of Scripture, we confidently conclude the Holy Spirit is a person. There are also certain times when the Holy Spirit speaks directly. Of course, He speaks in all of Scripture. However, there's a unique character to a a few verses in the book of Acts. In Acts 10, the Apostle Peter saw a vision while he was contemplating the vision. We, 
There we read, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. I have sent them. Another example is from a reading in Acts 13. A number of men in the church in Antioch were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And then we read, while they were doing this, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So again, we conclude from Scripture, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a he. He's a person. So that's the first thing we conclude from our study of the Spirit in the Bible. The second thing is this. The Holy Spirit is distinct from both the Father and the Son. They are not to be confused. And one of the heresies that plagued the early church was the false teaching of modalism. And modalism taught that there was only one God, that's all well and good, but then it fell into the error of saying that this one God sometimes appeared as a father, another time as a son, and sometimes as the spirit. And this again clearly contradicts what Scripture teaches. The Spirit is distinguished from both the Father and the Son. Think only of Jesus' baptism. The Son was in the water being baptized. The Father's voice was heard from heaven. And the Spirit descended on Christ in the form of a dove. There they were, all three persons present simultaneously and distinct from each other. We could cite many more passages But this alone clearly shows us the Holy Spirit must not be confused with God the Father or God the Son. Now there's one more thing that arises out of Scripture concerning the Holy Spirit. Studying Scripture shows that the Holy Spirit also is true God. For consider these things the Bible says about Him. The Spirit is called eternal. Hebrews 9, verse 14. As an eternal person, he, w- he was never created. He existed always and always will exist. And who alone but, can, but God can say that he is eternal? The Holy Spirit also inspired the scriptures. And what does that mean? This means that when humans wrote the words of the Bible, they were so moved by the Holy Spirit, that the human authors wrote just what the Spirit wanted them to say. We see this from our reading in, in, uh, from Hebrews 10. In that passage, the author of Hebrews quotes two verses from Jeremiah 31. And what does the author of Hebrews say about these words from the prophet Jeremiah? He says they were spoken by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 10. The Holy Spirit bears witness to us for after saying, first quote from Jeremiah, then the Holy Spirit adds, second quote from Jeremiah. That's not to say that human authors were not involved in the writing of Scripture. No, they were, but what we have in the Bible are the very words of the Holy Spirit. 
And what is the, con- the constant message of the entire Bible is that every word of Scripture is the very word of God. In it, we have God's perfect will. We have God's sure promises. We have God's truth. What does Christ say when tempted by the devil? Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's talking about Scripture that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the words of the Bible. Words that the Holy Spirit moved men to write down. The Bible is the words of God because they are the words of the Holy Spirit. We could go on in this fashion. Scripture says the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. Believers are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. How could we be a temple of someone who is not God? That would be idolatry. No, being temples of the Holy Spirit means we are temples of God because the Spirit is God. And He lives in every believer. Finally, consider 1 Corinthians 2, which says, The Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. How could the Holy Spirit do this if He Himself were not God? It would be impossible. And all this being said, it's no wonder the Apostle Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, You have not lied to men, but to God. When they lied to the Holy Spirit. You have not lied to men, but to God. When you lied to the Holy Spirit. That brings us back to our confession in the Athanasian Creed. We are compelled by Christian truth. To acknowledge each person separately, including the Holy Spirit, to be God and Lord. Our confession in Lord's Day 20 is right. The Holy Spirit is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. That brings us to our second point. Now, it was important to first establish a proper understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. He is a person... He's distinct from the Father and the Son. He is together with them, true and eternal God. And seeing this will help us to greater understand and rejoice in the saving power of the Holy Spirit. For consider the next truth we confess in Lord's Day 20. The Holy Spirit is also given to me. Now listen to those two things side by side for a moment. The Holy Spirit is true and eternal God. The Holy Spirit is also given to me. True God given to me. Now isn't that astounding? Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit, true and eternal God, also given to me, to you. 
He lives in the heart of every believer. This should make us stand in awe of God. What a gift. It should make us stand in awe of the humility and the love of the Holy Spirit. Now, we often focus on the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ, and rightly so. Scriptures focus on it a lot. He willingly took upon himself our human nature with all of its weaknesses. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death on a cross. But it's a similar self-denying love with the Holy Spirit. Spirit is true God, holy, majestic, eternal, infinite. And yet he's willing to live in us. Sinful, weak, finite people. He comes to live in the heart of every believer. With all of our weaknesses. With all of our shortcomings. With all of our failures. And the Holy Spirit knows before he comes to live in someone's heart. He knows. This person will grieve me at some point. For sin certainly grieves the Holy Spirit. And we all have sinned. And yet, that has not stopped him. He's still willing to live in our hearts. Of course, that's never an excuse to live a life of sin, far from it. But it highlights the utter selflessness of the Spirit in our salvation, and how we should praise Him for it. The Holy Spirit is true God. He's also given to me. And there is a simple but important truth that we can draw out of this. Those who have the Holy Spirit have undoubtedly been accepted by God. Right? Those who have the Spirit, who is true God, are not still enemies of God. No, they are most emphatically children of God. And the Scriptures testify that all believers have the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says in Acts 15 about the Gentiles. God, who knows the heart, bore witness to the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. The Holy Spirit given to each believer. And because the Holy Spirit is true God, this is unshakable proof that believers have been accepted by God. Think also of what we read in Galatians 4. Because you are sons, that is, sons of God, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir through God. Believers are children of God. And so God has given us the spirit of adoption by which we call out, Father. And we are heirs. In Him, in Christ. 
Galatians 4 says that God has given us the Spirit of His Son. You see, the Holy Spirit, He connects us to Christ and all His benefits. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart. The Holy Spirit, He lives both in Christ and in us. He connects us to Christ. And through that connection by the Spirit, we share in all of Christ's saving benefits. As Lord's Day 20 says, The Holy Spirit is also given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ and in all His benefits, all His saving benefits. What are those saving benefits we receive in Christ by the Spirit? We'll take Hebrews 10, for example, which we read. Hebrews 10, verse 14 says about Christ's sacrifice. By a single offering, Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See, the Holy Christ made his sacrifice on the cross, and the Spirit applies this offering to us as he works faith in our hearts. Think of the power of that sacrifice. By a single offering, Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's the power of Christ's sacrifice. And as a result, Hebrews 10 immediately afterwards, again, it quotes Jeremiah 31. Where God promises, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Remember them no more. That's not all. As the Holy Spirit connects us to Christ, God the Father can essentially treat us as if we were Christ Himself. Christ is heir of the world. We too are heirs of the world in Him. Christ is righteous before the Father because of His perfect life. We are counted righteous before the Father because of that same obedience of Christ. Christ has full and complete access to the Father in heaven. So do we in Christ by the Spirit. Listen to Ephesians 2 verse 18. Through Christ we have access in one Spirit to the Father. Christ has eternal, never-ending life within Himself through His resurrection. The Holy Spirit makes us share in Christ's resurrection, and so we share in His eternal life even now. This not only means that we have eternal life, it means also that Jesus Christ Himself, through the working of the Holy Spirit, gives us new desires. And a new heart so that we can finally live for God. Think again of Hebrews 10. Where Jeremiah 31 is quoted. God will write his laws upon our minds and upon our hearts. Without the Holy Spirit we would be stuck as slaves to sin forever. Even if we worked really hard in our own strength to get rid of a, a certain vice or to keep a new resolution. 
our fundamental nature would not be changed. But through the Holy Spirit, Christ himself changes us to become like Christ, to become like the Spirit. And even though our old nature still plagues us every day, we can now live for God. Yes, sinful desires may feel strong, but but we have someone stronger than those sinful desires within ourselves. And even though we are still weak in ourselves by the Holy Spirit, we can win the war. And even if we still see many weaknesses in us, this does not nullify the powerful working of the Spirit. It does not mean the Spirit is not at work. Our weaknesses just impress upon us that it would be impossible for us to persevere in faith if we were left to our own strength. But the Spirit, by His grace, does not cast us off. It's by the power of the Spirit that we persevere in the Christian life, no matter how strong Satan's assaults might be. Listen to, again, what we confess in Lord's Day 20. The Spirit is not only given to me to comfort me, but to remain with me forever. Forever. By His grace... By His mercy, the Holy Spirit does not leave us. He's committed to the long haul. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is a down payment on our inheritance, our eternal inheritance, or a a guarantee. Three times the Spirit is described this way in Scripture. Now, when you make a big purchase, say a house or a new car, what do you do? You make a down payment on that house or or that new car. You pay a certain percentage of the total cost up front. Why do you make that down payment? Well, it assures the seller that you are committed to carrying through with the rest of the payments. You're giving assurance that you will complete the entire sale. In a similar way, God has given believers the Holy Spirit as a down payment of our eternal inheritance. He's giving us assurance that he intends to bring us all the way home. Now we know that sometimes in this life, Things don't quite work out. Humans make a down payment on something, but then they fail to carry through with the rest. Maybe we, maybe we run out of money, can't make the rest of the payments. Perhaps we make a wild change of mind and give up on our purchase. Well, this, of course, is possible with humans. But this is impossible with God. God is never caught in a situation where he makes a down payment and finds out he can't follow through. 
He never has a moment where he says, I acted foolishly. I acted too soon. I wasn't thoughtful enough when I made the first payment. I changed my mind. No. God is steadfast in his purposes. He works all things according to his perfect and unchanging and eternal counsel. And when he makes a down payment, we can be sure that he will carry through and bring us to eternal life. So we can indeed confess in Lord's Day 20, Holy Spirit is also given to me to remain with me forever. Praise God for the good news of the Holy Spirit. Amen.